Grand Thrive Podcast, episode 143, Growing a Jewellery Design Business with Priyanka Kader. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey Thrivers, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to spend it with me and uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode of the show. If you do, I would absolutely love it if you would leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. It would really mean a lot to me and thank you in advance to everybody who has left a review and is planning on leaving a review. So and make sure to subscribe if you're not already subscribed so you don't miss an episode. There's generally two new episodes every week, a main episode and a little handmade biz tip of a Friday. If you've been getting the podcast via email and you've missed the handmade biz tips, there's about 12 now, I think. So make sure to catch up on them. They're just a couple of minutes long. And it's just one little tip to help you grow your handmade business. So today I am introducing Priyanka to you. She is a jewelry designer from San Francisco. She was born in Mumbai and her family actually has a history of jewelry design, but she went in a completely different direction until a life event that uh, made her rethink what she wanted to do. And she started her own jewelry design business. So Priyanka is not a hand maker. She doesn't make the jewelry herself. She is a jewelry designer and she gets her jewelry produced for her. So this is a really interesting episode for anybody who is interested in uh, building a business of that style where you are the designer and the, you know, the CEO, the moving force behind your business, but you don't necessarily perhaps want to actually be the one who makes the pieces. You'll find this episode particularly useful. And even if you are a maker, like most of us, and that's what you want to do, you'll get a lot out of this because the entrepreneur's journey is, you know, very similar for all of us. And Priyanka has a lot of wisdom to share about her first few years in business. Welcome to the show, Priyanka. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's awesome to have you on to talk about your business, Ava. So how did it come about? So my story is kind of interesting. Um, I was actually, um, I grew up in India and my background, I got my CPA degree when I was, um, well, after I graduated. Mm-hmm. And right after I started my accounting practice, I realized that it was just not for me. So <laughs> I went through the entire process and, and just after that realized that I chose the wrong path. Anyway, long story short, I came to the U.S. and I got into supply chain. I just stumbled upon it accidentally and um, I fell in love. So I worked in corporate for like 10 years. But in the meantime, I always like I kept going back and forth as to um, doing something of my own. Mm -hmm. But I could never figure out what I wanted to do. It was just always like, you know, I would come up with ideas. I had like tons and tons of ideas and I would come up with like new business ideas every day, but nothing <laughs> seemed to stick. Mm. And um, basically, the the year before I started my business, that was like the worst year of my life. Essentially, like I literally like hit rock bottom at mm. that point, and everything was going wrong. And 
I everything was going wrong in my job and everything was like going wrong in my personal life. Like there was just a lot happening. Mm -hmm. And um, when that happened, I finally just like, you know, I broke down and um, I stayed home and I was just trying to figure out what is going to be my path in life. Like what's going to what's next for me. And um, again, I started like again back to trying to figure out business ideas again and same same thing like you know nothing nothing seemed to like you know click at that point either Mm -hmm. and then in the midst of all of that my grandmother passed away and that was it was just a it was very sudden and I was very close to her so that was something that just came as a total shock to me and um was she back was she back in India yeah she was back in India Mm -hmm. So I went to India and um, to go see her right before she passed, and I inherited some of her jewelry while I was there, and that was just part of her will. But when I did and I came back, it kind of like helped me with the healing process in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, I just felt like a part of her stayed with me because it was so like it was so um, it was so difficult to get over her. I was very close to her. Mm. So that's when like right away I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to spread that message that you know jewelry is not necessarily just an accessory. It's such a it's such an important object. Like life's you know it holds life's best memories essentially. Mm. So that was the whole message I wanted to get across to people and tell them that, you know, instead of like, you know, spending a thousand dollars on the next iPhone, like, you know, that's going to be updated <laughs> in like two years. Why don't you spend that money on jewelry or like spend it on something that you can pass it down? Like, mm. you know, because they just hold such beautiful memories. And something that was like so personal to me was my grandmother's jewelry, right? She used mm. to wear it every day. And even now that I look at it, I feel like I hold it and I know that she's there with me. Mm. So that was the reason I started Ava. That's great. And I love the name. It comes from your children. Is that correct? Yes. It comes from the monikers of my children's name. So it's basically A-Y for my daughter, Aisha, and V-A for my son, Varun. So you've got that family connection in there too, which is really lovely. Exactly. So this made it like very, very personal for me. Yeah, definitely. So did you have any background in jewelry design or development or making or anything like that? So luckily, yes. And that was, that was the other good thing that, that happened with this was, um, I have like, I grew up around jewelry. So my, my mom was like always doing this and I got married into a family of jewelers so (laughs) yeah so it was nothing like and the funny thing is like all these years my husband would keep telling me he's like oh you should do something with us you should do something with us and it was never like it never seemed to intrigue me and it was Mm -hmm. just like something I never wanted to do and it was maybe because I'd been around it so much I never Mm -hmm. like you know never realized the importance of it or never really cared enough to do it mm-hmm. so um that just kind of worked out like everything like I'm saying it's for me I feel like this was just destined in such a way that like things just laid out perfectly for me <laughs> like I knew I wanted to start my business and manufacturing is like one of the biggest hurdles that anyone has to face mm. which I still had to because um basically uh, the the kind of jewelry that I make right now is very different and I wanted to go back to my roots and, you 
know, Kui jewelry that was a little more traditional, but like modern. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to manufacture a lot in India. Mm-hmm. So trying to find um, my manufacturing over there was still still one of the biggest challenges that I still have today. Like I have a very good manufacturer that I work with, mm-hmm. but then whenever we're at a capacity, then we have to go to a backup mm-hmm. um, factory. So it's just always making sure that everyone's running smoothly. So that's, I think that's a big struggle that anyone who does anything with product has to face. But luckily I was blessed in that aspect that I had the connections to guide me to the right places. Yeah, that would have made things a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know people who start off handmaking just by themselves um, who do want to expand. They often say that's the most difficult part of the process is obviously finding somewhere, finding the right place. Um, because yes. You have to trust that, you know, they're going to do as good a job as you could do yourself. Not only that, but it's like it's to find a manufacturer. It's not like, you know, you can pull someone off of the yellow pages Mm -hmm. and just go, you know, go and find them because it's still such a I feel like it's still a very dated industry. It's still people still go um, off a word of mouth because, again, Mm -hmm. it's a trust based business anyway. So you can't just find someone and be like, you know what, you need to manufacture for me because, again, you and they won't even take you on one. And then the second thing is you don't want to find someone like that because mm-hmm. you don't know them. Mm-hmm. So it still goes by like word of mouth and referrals. It's like, oh, I know this person. Maybe you can go talk to them. Mm-hmm. And then they have to know someone that you know, otherwise <laughs> they won't work with you. So it's a bit challenging. Yeah, definitely. So um did you decide to manufacture in India because that was home or because you already had the connections there? So um, both mm. in the, primarily, like I said, I wanted to keep it because, again, it's like I wanted to keep this brand very personal for me. Mm-hmm. So it's just basically going back to my roots and just going back to where I came from and what what's like at the core for me. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to keep my manufacturing predominantly in India. That's cool. I do have another, yeah, I do mm-hmm. have another factory that I manufacture with in um, Hong Kong, mm-hmm. but the bulk of my manufacturing happens in India. So what's the design process like for you? Are you the sole designer or do you have people who help you with that as well? So I, I am the sole designer right now, but I do have a team and they basically do, so I have a CAD designer for me because mm-hmm. I don't do CAD. So I do the initial sketching process, and once I'm done with the concept and um, the sketching, I do have someone who kind of like, you know, draws it to scale, and then we have a CAD designer who finalizes everything where before it goes into production. Awesome. So you, how long have you been in business now? It's been, this is my, this is going to be my third year. Okay, wow, that's really exciting. Sounds like you're doing really well. Um, from the get-go, did, did you find it a struggle to get going at first or did you find it helpful that, you know, you obviously had the family connections and uh, you had the business background? Um, no, so it was, it's not, so basically I wanted to do everything on my own. Right, so I okay. haven't used any any of my family's connections in that aspect. What I did feel gave me a big boost and I feel like everyone should do is uh, that helped me like actually jumpstart my career initially was the fact that uh, it took me a whole year of planning just, you know, just to give you a background. Mm. It took me a whole year of planning to uh, basically decide how I wanted everything to to look in terms of what I wanted to do. 
And um, being a perfectionist, it was just really, honestly, like, <laughs> you have to throw perfection at the door once you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> it's, it was just a whole year wasted. Like, now that I look back at it, I'm still working on it, and I'm still improving. Mm. And I'm iterating just as I'm going. But the thing is, you can't, like, you can't decide that, you know what, I'm going to make this perfect and then launch. Because that never happens. And mm-hmm. you can, like, I wasted a whole year just doing that and wasted money because I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. But what came out of that was all the research that I did and all the work that I did. Basically, um, I found a design competition and I entered a bunch of design competitions. Okay. Well, in the process of entering one of the design competitions, I won two of them and I ended up getting two free exhibit spaces for trade shows. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yes. So once I got that, that helped me boost um, and jumpstart basically my uh, my career, like my brand, essentially, because mm-hmm. I ended up getting a lot of my retail accounts through there. So um, I know we've talked about this previously, but not on, on record yet, but your business is predominantly wholesale. Is that correct at the moment? Yes. Yeah. Was that always the plan? Yes, it was. Yeah. Great. So, because I feel, yeah, and for me, the reason I wanted to keep it wholesale was still because jewelry is still a very personal item. Mm. Um, there's a lot shifting through e-commerce, but I still feel like I, I'm a strong believer that jewelry is something that you still need to to see. Mm-hmm. Because there's some pieces where, you know, you could see it online and you're like, oh, I love it. But when you go and see it in person, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And there's some pieces which you never think, but like, you know, I feel like, especially with gemstones, yeah. they uh, automatically like attract you. Like they're just, they have that power that <laughs> like the minute you see it, you know, you have to have it or you, they do nothing for you. So it's either or, mm-hmm. right? So, and that you can't, you can't get that emotion or you can't get that feel when you're doing it online. So for me, that was the predominant reason why I wanted to stay um, wholesale and sell through retail outlets because I think it still needs to be a very touch and feel experience. Okay, awesome. So you won these design competitions and got yourself into some trade shows. Was it a bit of a mad scramble to get stuff made for the trade shows if you were still kind of in the development phase? Oh, gosh, yes. (laughs) So (laughs) that was actually, you know what, that was my saving grace that I won that design competition because I was still in that planning phase and I would have been in there for another like half a year or like (laughs) or so. But I won this competition and I remember it was crazy because um, I found out in December Mm -hmm. that I won... um, I won the competition. Now, in December, it's everyone, all the factories shut down because it's the holidays. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're like either at full capacity because they're fulfilling holiday orders. So luckily, I had started like a bit of my production. I had some samples in. And um, they were basically, or the ones that I didn't have in were in the process of being made. So in terms of my jewelry, I had a lot going on in the, over there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of all my other materials, like even my business cards, none of that was done. Like my branding <laughs> was not done. Like none of that. So it was a mad rush trying to figure, find someone, first of all, in December. And we were going through a major house remodel at that point (laughs) I was literally like dying and trying to figure out what to focus on and um, 
anyway, the long story short, basically I scrambled, found a designer, found someone to like, you know, mock up my business cards, do my branding, do all of that like really quick. Mm. And I remember the day, um, so I was supposed to leave for the trade show on a Saturday in January Mm -hmm. and I ended up getting all my, my elements, like my business card, even my business card in my hand on the Friday before I was leaving. Oh my goodness. So it was so <laughs> last minute. So it was great. And in between all of that, there were like so many things that went wrong because I printed my cards. My cards came out wrong. Oh I had God. to go back and redo them. So that's like, that was another like big fiasco. But I'm kind of glad that that happened. It like almost killed me. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad it did because I would have still like launched maybe the end of the year, which. Mm. You know, by uh, by February, I was like starting to sell because I ended up going to the trade show. Yeah, that's awesome, and I love that. It's like you just that thing happened; it gave you the push to make it make it go, rather than second guessing yourself over and over again. Which exactly, I think, I think a lot of us struggle with that issue. Um. Right? It's like finding <laughs> the best graphic designer and finding yeah. like the most perfect branding and finding the most perfect like color font for your brand. It's like. You know, all that goes out the door when you have like 10 days to finish everything. (laughs) (laughs) Just get it done. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) So that was obviously a big challenge. Uh, Would you say it's the biggest challenge you've overcome so far or have there been other things? Um, I think there have been like for me, my biggest challenge was. um, So like I mentioned, I just like dove into this business basically um, just after my grandmother's, you know, after she passed. And Mm -hmm. I just knew that this was what I wanted to do. And this is the message I wanted to spread. So that I think was a very emotional decision for me. And I just basically thought that this is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to make my business. But again, it's like it's not something that I've done before. Like launching a business and starting a business is not something that I worked in corporate before this and um, right after like before that I was in college so it's just even though like I had 10 years of experience in corporate I don't have like any experience you know starting my business so that was something that I feel was my biggest struggle is you know taking taking my idea from an emotional decision to actually thinking about it as a business right yep so and which is a huge you know you don't realize that but that's a huge that's a huge challenge in itself because you can decide that this is what you want to do but if you want to make it your business and grow it then that's a completely different thought process yeah it's turning the emotion into something practical and out there in the world exactly yeah exactly so what would you say has been one of or some of the most kind of successful moments or really exciting moments in your business journey? So for me, honestly, like I feel I get most excited where I have um, when I have like struggled with something. So I know like even getting my retail stores, there were a few that came uh, pretty easy and it was not too much work. Mm. But there are a few where I literally have worked on them for months and months like (laughs) it was it was like constant like I would just keep like you know just I think I was probably just annoying them (laughs) so so after a point they just gave in (laughs) 
<laughs> and I think that was when I felt my best. And I feel I felt like you know, it's just you draw a fine line, like not really annoying them, but yeah, you, know, yeah. you have to draw a line where you just know that okay, you know what, I have to. Um, you know, when someone says no, like this is what I learned through the process. It's just when someone says no, you always have to think of it as a maybe. Mm-hmm. Because if you think of it as a no, it's that's your dead end. But if you think of it as a maybe, you're going to push, you know, you're going to push it, you're going to push a little more. Mm-hmm. And every time you push a little more, you're going to get the result that you initially intended to get. Mm-hmm. So, and that was my learning. And I think those are the moments that actually really excite me and give me the maximum amount of like satisfaction because I know I've really, really worked hard for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, getting a few retail accounts where I know I, like, literally, like, slogged. And I've done everything possible to um, to get them, to get, you know, to get them on board. So, I think those would be, like, one of my biggest achievements and accomplishments. Awesome. And even, like, yeah, even, like, realizing this thing, you know, where <laughs> there are a lot of things, like, you know, you don't, you, they don't teach you all this. And that's my no. biggest, like, problem. Like, you know, someone needs to teach you all this, that you just need to, you know, not be so hard on yourself and not, like, take things personally, mm. which you tend to do if, especially if you're an artist, it's, you know, you tend to take it personally. It's like, oh, why don't they like my stuff? Yeah, absolutely. It's not that they don't like your stuff. It's just how do you be, that's again, back to my original point. It's like, you know, it's an emotional, it's an emotion versus a business. Mm. So you're going to have to separate those two. And then you have to start looking at it from a business standpoint and see, okay, you know what, what's, why are they not doing it? What am I missing? Which holes can I fill? So. For sure. I think, yeah. So what would you say has been the best kind of marketing move? The mo- the thing that's gotten your business out there and, and gotten the sales rolling in? Um, with, with the marketing move one. So I would think like personal networking is one big one. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I actually started doing was blogging. And I think I'm getting a lot of sales through referrals because of my blogging. And um, we started a series where we focus like just with my story too, like being a mother, like I have two young kids and I started my business while I have my kids (laughs) and which anyone can say that is like, it's a crazy thing to juggle everything. Mm. So I just wanted to, I started doing it just because of my own struggles. Honestly, like everything is like happened because of my own issues. Yeah. And this ended up being a really good thing in terms of like, you know, just recognition for uh, for our um, for our brand, too, is the Moms in Business series where we talk to other women. And my whole, whole idea was to create this community where other women who are like in a similar position where I was, like going back and forth and being afraid of starting your business, you know, feel comfortable and feel like, you know what, everyone goes through it and you know that it's okay and it's just part of the struggle, but you come out of it okay and you come out of it like on top Mm -hmm. so you know and that was the whole idea when I started it but it's actually turned out to be a really good thing in terms of marketing for us because we've gotten a lot of like word of mouth and referral sales because of that right awesome so speaking of uh, having young kids and stuff how do you kind of do the whole work-life balance thing do you go to work have an office do you work from home do you get help with the house stuff the business stuff how does that all work for you so I do um I do have an office and I do work from the office not as much as I should but (laughs) it's, it's so much easier working from home but it's it's a crazy struggle because in the morning usually 
I am with the kids just trying to get them ready off to school when I drop them to school I come back and I start working so depending on how busy my day is if it's like not too busy I have time to get ready and go to the office if not then I'm just like constantly just working right after I get back mm-hmm. and um then I go my kids get off of school by like 4 4 30 and then that's where I like you know go back and I work till like 4 4 30 too mm-hmm. and then I'm done and then I take a break with them after that, my work, so I work with my factories overseas, and I work with a lot of, like, my, I have a lot of, like, people that I work with overseas as well. Mm-hmm. So that kind of works out perfectly for me, because that's when I put my kids to bed, and then I could start working with people overseas, because that's when, you know, the time is perfect. So after, like, yeah. 8 o'clock at night is when I work with everyone abroad, so... Um, that just kind of works out perfectly for me and my situation, but... Uh, it's always a juggle and it's always mm-hmm. like, you know, you can't, but like you can't, you can't balance everything. Like, you know, something <laughs> always has to give. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing. You just like, you know, some days I'm like more focused on my work and not so much on my kids. And then the other days I'm more focused on my kids and not so much work, but you just have to like, you just have to kind of figure out what works best for you. Mm-hmm. So now I've just like, you know, I've come to a point where every Sunday, like Saturday and Sunday, like Saturday is like half a day and Sunday all day. I just spend time with my family. Like mm-hmm. I don't work. I don't do anything. And I've just made it a point because I need I need some quality time with them. Yeah. Absolutely. And even though my business is very important to me, it's not more, more important than my than my kids and my family. Mm-hmm. And I think this balancing is interesting. Some people think, you know, that every day has to be balanced, but I see it as a, a longer, th- like a, a larger thing. Like some weeks are going to be flat out and you're just going to be up to your eyeballs and work. And then other weeks things will be a bit quieter and you'll have a bit more downtime to spend, you know, relaxing or with your family or whatever. So being aware of that, I think is really important so that you don't beat yourself up too much when it's one way or the other. Exactly. And you can't, there's no, like, there's no perfection, like, honestly, (laughs) and there's no, like, perfect balance. And if you think, you know, it's like unrealistic goals on yourself, if you think you're going to balance the day every day, that I don't think, I don't think anyone can do that. It's just, you know, it's, it's a bit much to do both. Like, especially if you're like, you know, you're really totally into your business, you, you have to like, give something like you know something has to give somewhere like you know mm-hmm. you have to be more focused and it depends on the and your workload too yeah and I think that goes with like whether you have a job or you have your own business but it's just your workload determines how and what your balance is going to look like mm-hmm. so looking towards the future uh, are you kind of aiming to build things up to the point where you can you know pass off as much work to other people as possible and have a staff that do most of that for you so you can just focus on the designing and kind of the forward planning element of the business yes and that's that's my my, that's my goal Mm. that uh, I can have a team and I'm in the process actually of looking for a another co-founder so basically just yeah so that I can be the CEO and then I can find a COO who can oversee the operations side of it so then that way um, basically we can, you know, shift the, the, not only the workload, but even like the creative and the growth aspect of the business mm. as well and try to figure out, okay, how do we effectively grow our business and take it to new heights? That's really exciting. <laughs> so thank you. Ha- what advice would you have? What, if, what would you tell yourself 
when you were starting out? If you if you could tell past Priyanka something that would make her yeah. life a lot easier, what would it be? Oh God, stop being a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> That has been, and that still is my struggle because, mm-hmm. you know, when, and I was an analyst, like, so I did my, my CPA. And then after that, I went on to becoming an analyst, uh, a supply chain analyst. So I've done that for the last 10 years. So everything was like, okay, everything was like organized, everything. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew everything, like everything was like planned out for me. Yeah. And then when you start your business, you plan everything out. I did that for the first year of my business. I had all my plans. I had all my forecasts. I had everything, like, laid out. And I literally had to, like, throw everything out. I'm like, why are my numbers so off? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So, yeah, go figure, right? It's like you can't, you can't plan everything. It's just, you know. Now I still do, like, I have a rough idea as to what I need to accomplish and what I need to do. But... I'm not like fixated on that. Okay, you know what? This is the number. I have to get this number and I'm going to kill myself over that number. Yeah. That's, you know, you can't do that. Yeah. I realize you have to have, you have the goals, but you got to be flexible with them as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's some months which, which I over exceed my goals. And there's some months where I'm like, oh my God, what was like, what did I do this whole month? But, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know it's that just, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So um, did you have any final advice apart from obviously don't be a control freak for other designers (laughs) out there who are kind of wanting to start their businesses and grow their businesses? So um, the only thing like with with designers and anyone who's like a creative person, just something again that I – that I think was my biggest learning was just, you know, there are always like two types of like, you know, creative businesses. One is either you're a true artist and you don't think of this as a business and you're just like a true, true artist. And Mm -hmm. then the second thing is a creative, but you want to make this your business. So you're going to have to understand like there's a huge difference between the two. And then if you are a true artist, you won't look at it from a business perspective. But if you're looking at it from a business perspective, you cannot look at it from a 100% artistic eye either. Mm -hmm. At that point, you have to look at it from, you know, what makes sense for the business, not only for you, but for who you're trying to service as well. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I talk about this as being the sweet spot because a lot of makers and designers and artists, when we start, we're just doing it for ourselves. And exactly. Know, but when you start a business, you have to look to your customer and then find that combination or that point where the two things match up. Exactly. You can't, yeah, you can't be like, this is, well, you can, and there's nothing wrong with it. There are like people who just do it for the art and that's amazing. Yeah. But then again, I wouldn't like necessarily call that a business because it's, you're doing it because you're so passionate about it. And that's just the core of your business, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like a commercial. It's not like, you know, you're not making anything for commercial purposes. Mm, yeah. And it's it's a different sort of motivation and driver, I guess. And um, I, I often say to people, you know, you have this creative thing that you love doing. You kind of like, oh, well, maybe I'll try selling some. And for some people, it's a really good idea. But for other people, it's a really bad idea because it destroys what they love about their creative passion. Uh, to turn it into a business because it it changes your relationship with it exactly exactly and I think that's that's a huge thing and I've noticed that too a lot is when people do some things and you know that this is um 
so I saw that like even with myself and I've seen other artists do that too and I love I love the work like they do because they're so passionate and you see the passion come through in the work mm. but then it's you know you look you don't look at it from a commercial perspective so that's when you know the struggle comes in it's like yes I'm a really really good artist but I'm not a very successful artist mm. it's because there's a there's a difference and there are some people who just like get you know they hit like they're really good artists but they've got something that works for them in that commercial aspect too mm. and then things just line up and they're like right off the bat they're amazing they're doing they're doing it right but then if you want to do that you just have to figure out okay where is my balance and what my balance is and what am i you know what am i missing so i can fill the gap and take my artistic ability and you know be a very successful artist too absolutely Priyanka, thank you so much for coming on the show today it's been an, a pleasure talking with you about your business journey um where can people find you online so um, you can go find us on our website. It's avajewelry.com. And then our Instagram and Facebook handles are at avajewelry. And we have a form that comes directly to my email. So if you just fill that in, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to help. Like I tell everyone, I haven't gotten this far without any help from other people. Mm -hmm. So the least I can do is repay the favor by helping someone else. And that's A-Y-V-A for Ava and jewelry spelt the U.S. way, I'm assuming. Yes, it's J-E-W-E-L-R-Y. Awesome. Thank you so much, Priyanka. Thank you so much for having me. Big thank you to Priyanka for coming on the show and sharing her journey with us. And as always, I want to extend an enormous... Jedi hug thank you to the members of the Thriver Circle who make this podcast possible. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to share an episode or two episodes every week, uh, putting it out there for free to the world to help people like you grow your handmade businesses. So thank you to every single member, past and present, of the Thriver Circle community. We've had a big influx of new members recently, so welcome to all of you. And if you'd like to join us, head on over to thrivercircle.com and you'll get the support and guidance that will help you to turn your handmade hobby into a thriving, profitable business with me and over 500 other makers who are there to help you every single day. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll be back again next week with another episode of the Grant Thrive Podcast. I'm Jess Van Den and goodbye for now.